Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Oz Business. We kick off the afternoon with a call, as usual, live from our Barangaroo studios here. Ten stocks picked by you, two experts, to run their eye over them. We do it all in one hour. Of course, it is the 6th of June, and a great panel of experts today. Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities is with us. Michael, how are you? Good, thank you. Uh, and also Mark Gardner from Macro Capital. Mark, how are you? Good afternoon. Uh, coping with all the markets at the moment? How's oh, all going? Uh, uh, yeah, well, uh, a little bit of a slip in the lithium price, uh, lithium stocks yesterday, which was a fairly unwelcome surprise, to be to be honest. But um, you know, the market seems to be still tossing up uh, a few unknowns here and there. So yeah. it'd be nice, nice to get some peace and quiet at some stage. But um, so they've been on a tear. Uh, is it, does a pullback create an opportunity or um, a warning signal? I think AKE got up to you know record highs or last week basically. Um, it may have a little bit to fall back. Um, something like PLS, for instance, it, it fell about as much yesterday, but never got anywhere close to the record highs. So oh. um, it uh, it's probably our favourite one at the moment. Um, so yeah, we're. We're uh, see how it, it doesn't seem to be any uh, major selling today. It's sort of, it's, it's been up, it's been down, it's been all around the place. So um, that, that oh, yeah. so you're saying stick on the sidelines with lithium oh, at the moment, look, see how it goes. We're already we're already long, particularly oil prices, the elevated uh, levels they are, and I think the EV thematic's not going away anytime soon. Um, and a, a, it was a Fairly thin reasoning for the for the uh, for the drop yesterday, sort of a Goldman Sachs um, re- report, which turns out that uh, they've been they've actually been increasing their position in battery minerals uh, in lithium over the last sort of month anyway. So what? The, yeah, no, there was. Well, uh, hang freely, on, hang on, hang on. They put out a report to spook the market. Well, but they'd been buying for the for for the uh, early uh, or mid month in May, so. So look, it, uh, you know, they've got different. They've bit, got they've got different desks in different areas. Is that a bit suspect? Oh, look, I'm not certainly not going to say that, but it, um, you know, it, it seems very odd. Like it was a report released okay, on, so on, on Memorial Day, um, and it was two days old. So it, uh, I think there may be, it may not have actually ended up being the everyone's sort of thinking that was the reason for the drop. But mm-hmm. um, you know, it may turn out there was, you know, the night that the Nasdaq was down five percent recently, right. it turned yeah, out yeah. Melvin Capital was unwinding positions, which was part of the move so there may be something that comes out over the next few days okay. Michael do you have mm. a view are you big into the lithium stocks at the moment? Um, we're out of them at the moment but it right. is a sector that, that we have traded um, yeah look it does look a bit bit ugly in the the short term I think that that sector I think I think for the next few years it'd be a great sector uh, I, I anticipate us to continue trading in and out of this sector over the next few years I think there is a nice tailwind but right. It will go through periods where you know everyone's loaded up and and excited about it, and it, it seemed very one-sided, you know, for the, especially first quarter of this year. So, yeah. you know, a bit of heat will come out of the sector by by the looks of it, um, and then we'll be mm. ready to go again. Okay. All right. Um, let's check the stocks that we uh, are going to cover in the first half hour today: AVA Risk, uh, APM, Discovery Alaska. Sounds like a tourist business, does it? It's not. Uh, I don't think we've ever covered Discovery Alaska before. Um, Spark and also Rural Funds. Uh, Stock of the day, I picked out uh, Wes Farmers. It's out with an update ahead of its strategy briefing today. Uh, Noting inventory for the rest of the financial year will remain elevated, but its health division COVID-19 and broader inflation will weigh on results. Shares just tipping into the red this morning, but we'll have to wait and see what the reaction is like post-presentation. Um, Mark, what did you think of uh, of the update and West Farmers at the moment? Uh, look, I like West Farmers. It's a super reliable business. Um, obviously, there's a fair bit of the macroeconomic um, and sector uh, negativity 
very much already sort of priced in overall. Um, you know, their, their return on investments is the highest in the diversified retail space. Um, they've got really solid and, um, and great man- and management, good balance sheet. Um, that sort of mining yep. uh, has become, and their you know, fertiliser and um, I think they're opening a mine lithium and things is their second largest division now. It's, a, it's, it's t- like a list of private equity businesses, it, isn't it's, really? It's, it's increasingly becoming. Bunnings yeah. and Kmart in the retail, but has bits and pieces everywhere. It does. I think it's trying to transform itself, um, uh, you know, a, a little bit over time. And um, and you would definitely, given the, uh, you know, given the quality of management and the track record yeah. of management, you'd probably back them to execute that so um, yeah look I'm you know they've obviously they've got a strategy outlook today they they, they have warned on the, on the macro outlook um, you know it's down quite considerably from the highs of um, mm, you know yeah, around why? 60 well, nearly 68 dollars um, and we're back to basically its peak just before we rolled into the pandemic. Mm. Um, so look, I, I'm happy to buy it here overall, and right. I'm basically backing, backing management to um, you know to to smooth out that business um, across a number of sectors when. Uh, yep. It's more of a uh, you know horizontal integration rather than just vertical. Yep. So, Michael, what do you think of Woods Farmer? Yeah, I like the business and. Um yeah, clearly it was quite expensive mid last year and a lot of the heat's come out of the share price because of those inflationary concerns. So like any business that has to buy something and then sell it to another customer, yeah, cost of goods uh, being purchased is a big issue. Um, but you know, it seems like a lot of that's already factored into the share price because you know, the announcement today wasn't, you know, that, that those are concerns. It's not a great revelation mm. to, to the market and the share price, it's down slightly, but no more than the broader market anyway so it seems to be holding in there and the good thing about West Farmers is because of because of their market position and their pricing power um, the relationships they have with um, supply chains you know whether it's Officeworks or Bunnings um, in that part of the business uh, you know they're able to try to make the most of of these inflationary pressures so where another competitor might uh, have an issue with their margins and trying to pass on cost West Farmers is in that enviable position where they could try to get things perhaps a little bit cheaper than some of their mm. competitors and be able to maybe use this opportunity to win market share because of the value yeah. that they can, um, you know, they can give their customers and then be in a good position for when the situation improves. So, look, I think it's, I think it's great here as a hold. Um, in terms of the chart, yeah, again, it's holding in there. It, was, it looked like it was finding some very good support around $48. It did breach that a couple of weeks ago, but that was more in relation to the session in the US where a lot of um, these sorts of... Um, the those, big retailers. Yeah, yeah all, all, all had, a, yeah, all had yeah. a rough night, but then the share price didn't get any worse. So yeah. that was a one-off and it seems to be levelling out. And I think as long as the market doesn't do anything too, too iffy on the downside, I think West Farmers will be back above $48 before long. Right. Yeah, that, that consumer discretionary sector is actually the worst sector for the year so far in the yeah. US. It's down 25%. So, yeah. um, well, it's down know, a lot here too. Yeah, so when I you look see. at our retailers, sort yeah. of, who have we had recently? Accent Group's been on, City Chic actually has performed pretty well by comparison, but a lot of the retailers smashed. Yeah, look, and there, there is sort of talk around, you know, the US now there's, you know, enough's enough and there's, you know, they're, they're pricing in a recession that, you know, maybe not be anywhere near as deep or even happen yeah. um, as there's, as analysts mm. have uh, forecast. So, you know, being down 25% is the bargain hunters are starting to come into the more quality and uh, oh, value. That's interesting. Curve, so, yeah. Um, I, um, what Matt Common at the AFR's banking uh, summit the other day was saying he didn't think the downturn here would be nearly as bad as everyone thinks or the US and this is their preferred country to be in in terms of economy looking strong which mm. um, growth figures yes they were great well and how, household spending was up one and a yeah. half uh, yeah. which dragged the GDP retail. number up by 0.8 so yeah. uh, you know the death of the retail sector I think is very very much overstated at the moment so um, so you're could, nibbling at some of those retailers yeah absolutely uh, probably nibbled a little bit too early in some of them to be honest but um, 
The uh, but yeah, look, don't uh, broadly don't mind the sectors. City Sheik, Nick Scarley, um, look, West Farmers as well. Um, yeah. West Farmers is probably you know at these pre-pandemic levels has probably got the better margin of safety, I guess, because it's a little bit more diversified. Yep. Um, yeah, so. interesting. All right, uh, Byron, Michael wants a view on uh, AVA risk. Um, uh, it's a, a big security company. I always, when I read their description, I think it's sort of James Bond-like. They, <laughs> they, they protect big infrastructure projects. They're in biometric and card access control. So putting your eye up against to get into databases and the like. Um, is it quite that sexy, Michael, from an investment point of view? Oh, it is <laughs> if it makes you money. Um, um, yeah, look, they, they had an update recently where, again, they were feeling the um, supply chain issues. So, um, you know, they get a lot of hardware out of China and, and yep. you know, that's, that's slowing down. So they've got a backlog of orders and that's affected their, um, uh, their earnings. But, you know, and their margins have been, been impacted as well, which is a negative. So even though they seem to be getting some good revenue growth from here, um, it does look like they've they've got these these issues at the moment, and that's uh, and that's being reflected in the in the share price. So, you know, very much on a on a downtrend at the moment. Um, mm. So, look, it does look like that's going to continue. Um, you know, the share price did really well in mid twenty twenty when everyone seemed to get excited about anything to do with um, uh, with cybersecurity yep. or security in general, but. Yeah, obviously a lot of the, the heat's come out of that. So yeah, look, I think I think the risk is still to the downside, um, and it probably needs to have another leg lower until mm. uh, it looks like those um, those other issues are, are resolved. Um, the only other thing I'd mention is I noticed it doesn't trade a lot during the day, so you right. know, fifty sixty thousand dollars worth during the day. So if you did want to take a nibble, you'd have to make sure it's only a few grand. Right, Mark. Yeah, look, um, it's been a little bit messy of late. Um, you've had a lot of had a special dividend um, sort of back in early April, I think, um, or early this year. Um, had a you know a contract with the Ministry of Defence, which is now done. Um, so the numbers and the, it's like they're very hard to track at the moment. Um, you know, they're doing a they seem to be doing a lot, uh, a lot of different divisions. Um, and with, while the books aren't really, you know, very well shown, having a great deal of clarity, I'd probably more so put this on the watch list for now. Uh, they are doing some really interesting things. Good, it seemed like a pretty decent company. They've, they've done, uh, look, analyst expectation, well, consensus um, from a one-year price targets, you know, around the 29 area. So, look, there's definitely some upside there. This is, uh, these are the old lows around here, um, sort of from... Um, you know, pre, pre 2020. And um, so it, I dare say it's probably might form a base somewhere around that sort of 12 and a half um, or, you know, area or 15 to 12 and a half area sort of thing. So uh, market conditions at the moment aren't favouring having, a you know, having speculative buyers as yep. it stands. So, but I think it's one of those ones that won't necessarily be the first thing that gets caught in the updraft when we start to stabilise and head a little bit higher. Um, I'd be probably leaving this towards, you know, wait for the next report, okay. um, see if their accounts show a little bit more clarity. Yep. Um, and then probably, you know, with the, you know, as I said, the analyst um, consensus being, you know, 61 odd percent higher than here. You know, you can you can afford to miss them. You know, yep. a knee jerk a knee jerk move and and um, and get some more clarity on that. So, the uh, yeah, there's a lot going on in the company. Um, I think, but it, it, yeah, current market conditions, it's definitely just a bit of a okay. bit of a watch list All for right, now. Watch list. All right, uh, Yaz wants a view on APM Human Services. Yaz said, um, newly listed but proven cash generating business as a long term holder and accumulating sub three dollars. Uh, APM um, offers assessments in uh, health and psychological in, uh, intervention, medical, psychosocial, vocational rehabilitation. It's in 10 countries around the world, uh, 8,200 team members. It's a big organisation, isn't it? It's a much bigger organisation than I expected, to yeah. be honest. It, um yeah, look, it's it's offering a you know a, quite a lot of services that um, you know are getting quite a, you know particularly with the mental health um, 
issues coming out of uh, you know the pandemic, etc. And obviously in Australia here, obviously you know Labor government's probably going to be a little bit more, a little bit kinder to uh, to funding these sorts of things. Uh, governments are their biggest customers, um, from what I've read. So it. Um, yeah, look, it's, it's still it's still early days. Obviously, it's only recently been listed. Um, I, I, you know, analyst consensus are about thirty percent higher than here. It does have a fair bit of debt, which sort of slightly concerns me a little bit. Whether yeah. they, um, for a, for a company that's only very recently listed, I, I, that's probably would keep me a little bit on the sidelines for now, just to see how they handle that. Um, and obviously, you know, as you said, eighty two hundred staff. Mm. Um, Labor cost issues are potentially going to be, you know, are going to be a problem for a staff of, of that magnitude. So, um, but look, certainly an interesting, an interesting company in, I think, in a in a growing addressable space. Um, and look, the management team is still there from when it was when it was a pri- uh, private company. Um, they've done extraordinarily well to grow this mm. into the into the behemoth that it that it is within its sector. Yeah. I think it's I, I read somewhere that I think it might be the second biggest uh, organisation of um, of its kind in the world, basically. Sure. So. Yeah. Um, so look, management have got a decent track record, but yeah, whether they, you know, um, the, the uh, rapid expansion and those like, how they're going to handle multi geographical labour cost issues um, and and rising interest rates, um, you know, they've grown primarily in a zero interest rate environment. So I'd probably just just a little bit wait and see, but okay. some, again, some you know, it's not um, it's something so you'd that's hold, definitely you'd hold if you had it. Look, if you yeah, you'd hold. I think you'd hold if you had it, yeah. Right. So, okay. but just for new money, it, um, it's it's oh, not yeah. really showing the characteristics of, of what 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 I'd be okay. uh, our preferences. Michael, yeah, pretty similar. It um, yeah, obviously there's I think quite a reliable stream of, of revenue coming in for this sort of business. It should continue to grow. Um, I'd be happy to hold, but there are a few risks that would make me prefer to see it. Um, if you know, if it can occasionally trade at a cheaper level, um, that's where I prefer to buy it because of those risks. So, so Mark mentioned the staffing costs. So I had a look. It looks as though a third of about thirty percent of their total costs are just on staff, and then another thirty percent um, are on occupancy costs. So you know their rents and, and maintaining yep. premises. So things that are susceptible to you know potentially um, spiking up um, for them. Of course, the other risk. You know, the whole government contract thing's a double-edged sword. When you've got the contracts, it's a bit of a gravy train, but, you know, there is a risk that, that someone else comes in and takes those contracts. And yeah. I was having a look. The Their two largest contracts with the government account for 40% of the revenue, so obviously you lose one right. of those, um, share price gets gets decimated. So, look, a few risks, um, but I'd be happy to, to hold and, and buy if it was, you know, quite a bit cheaper than, than where it is now. Okay. Um, Michael Meagher wants to be on Discovery Alaska. Uh, it does sound like a um, tourist business, doesn't it? But uh, <laughs> it's actually a gold miner, a gold explorer uh, in Western Australia. Uh, two, uh, they're in exploration for mineral commodities in North America as well and uh, exploring for gold here in Australia. Um, what do you think of uh, Discovery Alaska? Yeah, look, it's a very, um, very small business, 17 million market yeah. cap and it only trades a few thousand dollars a day so I mean on that alone I would say too high risk to, to put any money in um, because if you need to get out of course it could be yeah. very tricky but that works both ways I mean we saw um, about a couple of weeks ago they used the magic word lithium in one of their their announcements <laughs> and the share price moved from four cents to uh, looks like about 11 cents in the space of a couple of days because of that lack of liquidity but right. it's since um, given up about half of that. So, yeah, look, not not my area of expertise, guys, at this stage in that market cap. Yeah. Um, and again, because of the liquidity, it makes it a bit difficult. Yeah. What do you reckon, Mark? Yeah, pretty similar uh, thoughts to Michael there. It used to be called Discovery Africa. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they've pulled out of Africa and gone to Alaska, <laughs> and very convenient that, uh, I mean, if they shut down the uh, the Alaskan operation, maybe they'll change it to Discovery Australia. Um, yeah, look, they've, yeah, they've mentioned the magic word lithium. Uh, obviously, that spiked. I'm no geologist, and I certainly don't have the time to go through the, the 700 sheets of, uh, of drilling results that they had. 
Um, yeah, look, uh, we're, I think there's better ways to represent a view in um, you know, lithium, particularly. We're not we're not considering explorers. We think there, there's uh, there'll be a glut um, of new supply come on, uh, you know, in the two to three year time period. If you're drilling now, realistically, you, right. you know, there's there's not the same tailwind. We're very much um, looking at the you know lithium. Producers that are going to make hay while the sun shines, while the elevated price is up there, and they're, and they're sort of filling that structural shortage. Um, but yeah, look, and in terms of gold, fairly positive from a risk reward perspective on the gold price. Um, US dollar obviously probably not helping the gold price at the moment at those sort of close to those 20 year highs, but we've probably sort of started to see that, that dollar index normalise over a period of time. But I think um, you know the you know things like Gold Road who are sort of you know who are who are producing that are you know mid cap they're liquid at yeah. least um, yeah. yeah this is not something that um, look it's not something I would normally consider regardless uh, because we're not not necessarily into that uh, super early stage. Um, but yeah, particularly the getting overexcited about you know finding lithium when it's mm. fairly you know it's not not at all rare. Um, yeah. It'd be, uh, I don't think that actually adds to the investment case okay. necessarily for me. So right. um, it's particularly pricing an operation on, you know, production forecasts of where the spot lithium price will be in two to three years' time. You know, there's about 100 mines will be open yes, easily exactly by right. then. So, yeah. <laughs> back, back the producers at the moment. Yeah. All right, something uh, totally different at the other end of the risk scale. Uh, Taylor wants a view, Mark, on Spark. Taylor says... I remember in the past, experts on the call have been surprised by Spark. Uh, what are the current thoughts on the business? Basically, it owns poles and wires, doesn't it? Mm. It's an in- infrastructure business um, that owns electricity poles and wires here in Australia. Yeah, look, and um, obviously, the, you know, there's a telecommunications part, portion of the business, I think it was maybe split off, but... Um, Look, it's really fairly priced at the moment. It has a nice, has a nice sort of dividend yield. Um, yeah, look, it's not something that particularly excites me. It's it's very much in the in the, the smack bang in the middle of the range. Um, it's within 0.2 of a percent of analyst consensus right. uh, target price. Um, look, it's it's a definite hold. It's a reliable business. Um, and look, it um, yeah, and it does have a does have a reasonable dividend yield, so you definitely yeah. be holding it. But I don't, I'm not entirely sure whether you need to be rushing out to buy it necessarily. It does. Looking at the chart there, it, obviously it trades a bit of a range. You probably want to be more, you know, I'd like it closer to four dollars. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there's any. So this this is in that uh, this batch of Spark APA. Yeah, and those big infrastructure yeah. plays that um, always seem to be a bit boring, but yeah, look, you know, I mean, pay, pay a good dividend. Yeah, exactly. So look, there's there's certainly no harm in holding it. Um, right. IF, uh, IFT, I think, um, Ifritel's right. You know, it's, Ifritel, it's yeah. sort of, I mean, similar but different. I mean, it's in yeah. it's in data centres, etc. As well, so. Um, a little bit concerning, the dividend payout ratio is above 100%, so right. they're obviously dipping into reserves to maintain dividend here at the moment, so that's something to be, maybe to be a little bit cautious yeah. of, but look, it's, it's the, the best. But, but the accounting valuations on these are a bit mm. yeah. funny, aren't they? Yeah, but, look, it's, um, yeah. It's, assets improving capital values goes into P&Ls and things yeah, like that. Yeah, um, but look at, you know, looking at the range, like I said, it's in the middle of the range. It's at, in, um, I don't think you possibly need to, for okay. new money, need to be coming in and, and buying it um, But here at the moment. But look, if it dips down towards that $4 mark, it's probably getting towards the cheap end. Michael? Um, I wouldn't be buying it. Uh, when it comes to these sorts of businesses, I think investors need to you know, take a step back and think about well, what are they buying? What are the risks? Um, you know, what, what what is the opportunity cost? Because as much as a business like this is pretty safe and dependable and it pays a good dividend, um, it's still an equity. Um, mm. So it does bring risk as because yeah. it's an equity, it's not a bond. Um, so when it's fair value like this, I, I just don't see any reason to be in it because for me, all the risk is to the downside, I can't right. see what sort of upside you're going to get in the share price. Yeah. So when you get a sort of COVID-style sell-off or something like that, and you want a business like this, you know, fine. But yeah, up here, I wouldn't be buying it. 
I mean, to put in perspective, this share price peaked in 1998 right. at over $6. So right. if you bought it back then because of the reliable dividend, you've, you've lost maybe 30% of your capital. Right. And yes, and the ASX 200 has gone up three times. Yep. So I think if you're going to be in the market and have equity market mm, risk, you point. need to be in something that's going to appreciate as well as pay a dividend. Otherwise, you might as well be in a bond. Yep. All right. Really good point. Uh, thank you for that question, Taylor. Uh, Glenn uh, Michael wants a view on rural funds. Um, he uh, says, I've owned for several years. Uh, total return's been okay, despite a negative report on the company previously. Increasing interest rates would appear to be negative on their future profits. It's sort of um, uh, an ag- mm. agricultural business, isn't it, which is in cattle and almonds and vineyards. Uh, a cl- is it like a REIT, is it? Uh, yeah, so they own, they own the property. Um, and so, lease it out to the farm. Yeah, so where the interest rates um, effect comes into it is, is basically the, the valuation of, of REITs gets, yep. you know, moves with, with interest rates. But in terms of their earnings, um, you know, it should should be another great year for them. Um, you know, it looks like we've we've got another great year ahead of us in the ag space. Yep. Um, so you know, when the farmers are making money, these guys have tenants and they're making money. Um, their earnings look like they took a, a little bit of a hit in their recent results, but um, uh, sorry, their their cash flow. But they did make some acquisitions. So I think if you look beyond that. Um, yeah, they're in a sweet spot in the market, pays a good dividend, the chart looks good. The only negative is if rates go up, uh, mm-hmm. that might affect the, the valuation of, of the shares. But at the moment, the market doesn't seem to care about that. I really right. like to look at this chart. So okay. So I'd, be, I'd be happy to hold or even buy here. Buy or hold? I will say it's a buy. Beauty. <laughs> first, first buy from, from Michael, that's excellent. Yeah, look, um, I, I like this business overall. Obviously, uh, rural properties actually outperformed residential for the last eight yeah. years. I was interested to uh, to find out. Um, there was a lot of transactions went through in the last year in the uh, rural property space. It was the highest amount of um, yep. turnover in 27 odd years. So. Um, Look, I, I, I'd, I'd probably be more on the end, sort of on of a hold for right. now. Um, I'm just a little bit wary of, um, you know, in you know, as Michael said, the interest rates um, and the end, you know, necessarily the end of the cycle when we're basically now that rural property prices have gotten to a point where they're, um, you know, they're they're basically pricing out. You know, individual landowners completely. So, um, and when you're getting up to that sort of pointy end of valuations, you know, you're not going to have the you're not going to have the tailwind of um, you know of being able to reprice your property for the valuations uh, within the you know within the accounting processes. So, I look, I'd I'd be I'd be a holder, and I'd and I'd pretty much be be very agile and very careful over the next twelve months in in the event that. um, we do get a we do get if we do get a higher spike in interest rates than we um, you know than we suspect then it's sort then of tied be... to the food agriculture thematic though isn't it if the it is yeah if the farmers are happy they're gonna pay more to rate yeah yeah look it's just it's probably more about these recent transactions I yeah. think that um, that they've done which which seem to be you know potentially at the top of the market right. um, Yep. Which which could affect earnings down the which could affect earnings down the line. But look, that's just speculation at the moment. Until you see that, yeah. you know they may they may have picked up a bargain. Who knows? Okay. Or a distressed asset. It's not. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, the chart does look pretty good at the moment. I think you you'd just be happy to run a trailing stop on this and, and hold it. Um, it's been one. You know, I, I had a client who wanted to buy this, so I didn't know a lot about it. Probably six months ago, and they've done extraordinarily well out of it. Um, but I don't think I can bring myself just just to buy it right here, right, right. now. So. Okay. All right. Let's recap the uh, the first five stocks and our stock of the day. West Farmers a buy from Mark, a hold from Michael. Uh, Ava Risk, ABA Risk um, on Mark's watch list, a no from Michael. APM Human Resources, a hold from both. Discovery Alaska, a no from both. If you want to get into that gold button, both Michael and Mark. So if you want to get into gold, get into something a bit bigger, a bit liquid, uh, Mark suggested Gold Road. 
uh, spark a hold from Mark, a no from uh, Michael, and um, rural funds a hold from Mark and a buy from Michael. Um, here on the call, we've been following our own high conviction fantasy portfolio as picked by an investment committee. Uh, you can still watch the last episode of the investment committee here at ausbiz.com before the next edition goes live next Tuesday. So let's check in on the portfolio as it stands. The uh, last committee meeting uh, added Tabcorp, Domino's, Ardent, Leisure and Tyro. Um, and uh, so keep sending in your request to the call because that's the first filter before it gets up to the investment committee. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Uh, this half hour on the call, they're going to run our eye over Templar Webster, E-Road, uh, the Core Bond ETF, Amcor, and also Bendigo Bank. Uh, Michael Kelly, what's of you on uh, Templar Webster, the online retailer of furniture and homewares, uh, went through the roof during COVID, come mm. back to reality a bit over the last six months or so? Yeah, I'm still... Um Look, I, I agree with Mark's earlier comment about retailers being quite beaten up. There could be an opportunity. I'd prefer to wait just a little bit, bit longer. Obviously, there's still, um, you know, inflationary cost pressures, potential yep. recession. We may well dodge it, but um, I just think stocks like this might just have a little bit more pain ahead before they end up becoming um, a buying opportunity. And I think when the time's right, yeah, they'll they'll recover pretty swiftly. Um, I mean, we could see this. This stock's gone down from fourteen dollars yeah. to four. But I think a lot of, yeah, you know, a lot of the heat in this one was was also the, um, you know, the way the market was valuing this as a, you know, I guess as as a part sort of technology play as well. So um, it's still trading above its pre-COVID peak, um, and it's clearly in a downtrend. So for me, yep. yeah, just an avoid yet. for now. No? Yeah, look, um, I, for this one, look, I'm fairly happy to buy your reliable retailers with good track records and um, like, like those Nick Scarleys or, uh, you know, or a West Farmers, um, et cetera, um, that at least had that margin of safety of, of um, you know, of consistently performing, having, mm. a, having a good dividend yield. Um, but look, Tem this is an incredibly bus hard business from a share price point of view to pro to to get a relative value on because they're I think their uh, their sales have tripled uh, since that 2020 peak um, or sorry in the last two years, but the share price is down 60 percent. Mm. So their sales are up 46 percent year on year. They're um, they're they're basically they're saying their input costs are rising, but they're managing it well. Um, Look, the analysts have got a they've got a really strong view of bearishness on the retail sector at the moment, um, but for reasons that are that are largely fairly thin, I think, um, in terms of um, specialty retailers, I, I, I don't think that um, you know the the argument of of all these purchases being brought forward isn't really materialising, um, yeah. and it seems to be. Just a uh, common truth amongst the analysts, whereas if you really look into it, the, the stats don't actually back that argument up really at all. So, the, um, yeah, look, and that, that GDP number yesterday, I mean, dragging the household spending was, um, was well, you know, it was a pretty good component and we've, you know, we've had the newspapers and uh, the financial press beat the drum and uh, about, you know, upcoming interest rate rises, etc. And it hasn't put as anywhere near a big dent in, um, you know, in, in household consumption as yet. Um, so there's obviously still a, obviously a little bit of a little bit of buoyancy there and the, we keep we keep beating them, you know, um, performing better than the negativity that's out there in some of these things. So I think they and, are and a, sold. And it doesn't help having a new federal treasurer going through the usual playbook of going, yeah. oh, the economy's terrible and we've got a lot of work to do, da-da-da. It's like 
when a new chief executive comes into a company, they talk it down. Yeah. So if it's any good in the future, they take credit for it. Well, mm. you know, it's uh, those growth figures yesterday were phenomenal. Well, exactly. Look, and if you don't know interest rates are going up, you've been living under a rock. Yeah. So look, and and that that number added pretty much most of it was added to 0.8 of uh, yeah. the GDP number. It was only up 0.8. It was it was yeah. in remarkable numbers. So and we've just gone through fairly large peak panic period yeah. in the in yeah. uh, you know so what's the PE of Templar Oh, uh, it's around 60 so it's still high 60 yeah I, th- oh. I think so but um, gee because J- JB High Five's around 12 is oh, it look it, 13 a, and some of them are a day to day basis they're moving around a lot but so I, I'd like this but this is growing faster okay. than those guys as well so it, it may well justify that but Again, so you're it's a buyer? Not, uh, look, I'm a nibble. At, at probably a at nibble. best, I'd, I'd rather okay. be in the safer, um, you know, the, the you know, the safer end of the market at this stage. Right. Um, just a little bit, bat, you know, beaten and battered from the last sort of two yep. two or so months of volatility. But look, it seems it's a better company than what it was back, you know, early to, in early 2020. And the share price, I think, it had a peak around this four to uh, four thirty mark. So. Okay. Look, I, I, th- I think it's probably, if they continue to do it, yeah, it's definitely a nibble. Okay. And, and I, look, if it starts to turn up, the, but Michael's exactly right, the chart looks horrendous. Mm. So I don't think you, you don't need to be have been fully allocated in this thing yet. No. Um, okay. it's, probably got a, it's probably got two months of sideways before it even looks like having a sustained okay. um, upward trend. So. All right. Uh, NJ wants a view, uh, Mark, on Eero. This is a really interesting. Sort of, it's almost like a, a tech business. Um, it uh, has GPS and uh, measuring uh, units uh, from board um, uh, trucks and fleets of cars. It's sort of in the fleet management business, but rather than a lot of the fleet management that is listed on the market is all novated leases and how do you finance fleets, um, this sort of tracks drivers stopping for, for rests and where trucks are and all that sort of thing. And uh, um, NJ says over the last six to nine months it's lost 50% of its market cap. Uh, is it just related to the founder of the chief executive, uh, uh, the founding CEO leaving? Well, it's never a good sign when no. a founder leaves. Um, well, generally, um, statistically, you, do, you don't want to see directors selling or, or your founder leaving overall. Um, yeah. That probably coupled with the, just the general market negativity. Um, I couldn't really work out how a company phone wouldn't do most, most of what this this does. So, yeah. I mean, if you can, there's certainly a lot of apps out there that, that track, you know, I suppose it would be a little bit easier to, um, to manipulate because it's not attached to the car. But, yep. um, but yeah, look, it's uh, it's revenues have increased. Um, you know, they're expected to be another 30% higher in the next year. Um, technically, it doesn't look great. Um, their, their Cortex merger in the US seems to be doing well, which will increase their addressable market. Um, but look, at this stage, new CEO, um, a new fairly significant um, strategic investment in the US, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be probably just avoiding this until the next update yep. to get a little bit more clarity. Um, who knows? The new CEO might be might be a better fit. There, there is there's many cases of um, of companies like this um, where you know the business outgrows the founder, um, yeah. and it's the right choice to get someone in. So I'm not going to you know I'm not necessarily going to say that the new CEO is going to be a bad thing. But I think you, to be if you're going to be smart about investing in the company, you probably want to wait and see. Yep, Michael. The share price has come back a long way, but I think that's just because it was massively overvalued last year. So at the moment, it's trading around $2. It has traded just above 6 But when I was reading the description, um, they mentioned that uh, uh, the word SaaS as a service, service right. as a, um, <laughs> software as a service. So yeah. where this, you know, for 2022, lithium's the magic word, get yeah. your share price up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's for the magic word for last year. And, and tech companies are yeah, SaaS. Yeah. yeah, so last year it was, as soon as you say you've got something to do with SaaS, it just, phew, yeah. you know, and, and people are uh, valuing you on, on multiples of, you know, 70, 80, 90. Right. So it's definitely come back down to earth. They've only, it looks like they've, they've only just started turning a profit 
this year. Um, positive, we've got some positive earnings here. It looks like expecting to grow earnings about sort of 20%, but it trades on a PE. Um, it looks like over 30, so it just still seems a bit expensive for a right. company that's that's only just starting to um, head the right way. So, yeah, but, yeah, aspects of the business look pretty good, but it all comes down to a price, and I think it needs to be a lot cheaper than this. And, and the chart is telling us that that it's still one way, and that's that's yep. going down. Okay. All right. Uh, Heath uh, has a really good ETF he wants your view on, chaps. The iShares Core Composite Bond ETF. Um, he says, uh, is now a good time to be adding some bond exposure to the portfolio, considering bond yields are on the rise? I've been watching uh, this particular ETF. It hit its lowest price since 2013 at the start of the month, and now there looks to be a little bit of a reversal. Do you see any truth uh, to this read in the charts, uh, Michael? So it, it has bounced recently, but the broader trend is to the downside. So if you're looking at basic, um, you know, the basic stages within, a, within a, a chart, essentially over the last couple of years was the topping phase, so distribution. Um, and now it's broken that and is definitely in a downtrend. So the overall right. trend is still to the downside. Um, I wouldn't go anywhere near a bond fund or an ETF. Um, essentially, we've seen a huge rise in bonds over the last few decades. Um, and I think it's only obviously only going to go one way because bonds trade inversely to... Yep. The, to the yield. So if the yields have basically and gone see, to that, zero... That, that's what mucks people up, is it? No, yeah. it, it's counterintuitive when you... And it's almost... Heat may be susceptible to that at the moment. It is counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah exactly. So pretty much mid... We'll say last quarter of last year when we saw all the, the three-year yep. rates and so on start to move higher, higher. That, was, that was basically the signal to get rid of any bond type instrument, whether it's yep. this, even you know, hybrid securities, anything that trades like a bond, time to get rid of them and it's still in the situation where you don't want to be in that, yep. that space. Uh, yeah, look, I wouldn't touch this. I don't, I, I, for the life of me, I couldn't really work out why this product really even exists, to be honest. Like, yep. it, it really, for me, um, yeah, it's you're paying a management fee. It's historical return for ten years plus is three percent. You know, you, I've, inflation's eaten most of that. Um, I, I don't know why you would play yep. in this in this area overall. I think um, you know you can. You know, we've got obviously we've got rising rates, which is not going to not going to help this either. So yep. yeah, look, I I don't. I'm not entirely sure. I, I, you don't want to be you don't want to be locking in yeah. an interest rate now, coming off emergency rates at historical lows. Um, I don't think we're going to have necessarily um, you know go back to the even really the historical average or yeah. thirty-year average necessarily. But um, there's plenty of other ways yeah. to, to. The big thing for Heath is, and I suppose a lot of. Uh, private investors, average investors, is you don't approach the bond market like you do the equities market, do you, in no, terms of your thinking? Um, yeah, look, if, you, if you're if trying to hunt for a little bit of extra yield, I mean, you probably, maybe some uh, more of the corporates, the, cor the credit spreads haven't blown yep. too hard yet, but, yep. um, well, look, I mean, there's even, there's two-year term deposits above 4% at the moment. Mm. I mean, it's really, I don't know... Yeah, I, I, it's not sort of something that I necessarily would would be bothering to get into. Right. into yeah. uh, Heath, some pretty clear direction there from uh, both Mark and Michael. Uh, Mark Harrison wants a view on Amcor now, the big global packaging company in North America, Europe. It, it's around the world. Uh, uh, packaging in um, lots of soft drinks and beverages, food, healthcare, tobacco. Um, been around a long time. It's a, one of the staples of the market, is it? Yeah. Look at uh, you know, boring. A good bit of boring's been yeah. know, quite a quite a theme um, recently. Um, 
I, I would say, though, this is, you know, recently paid its dividend. Um, it seems to be, you know, the chart looks in, in you know, fairly decent trend channel to the upside. Um, it's, it's quite, um, you know, the opposite. It's had a good couple of weeks. Hasn't it has, it has uh, had a really good couple of months, I think, yeah. um, where basically people, I guess, have, it's same with C, defensive stocks like CSL, for instance. No one was paying any attention to that, and all of a sudden it started to get a bid tone as the yep. market started to get on. Un- you know, unnerved a little bit, but um, for me at the moment, I, I think it's the top of the trend channel there. Um, it's you know, it is classified as a boring stock when you've had a when you've had a rally like that. That's mm. probably not a bad time to be cutting five-year highs. Yeah, yep. so um, because it's not going to, it's not the sort of company that's going to to make that. Or I wouldn't have thought it's going to make that move again. Um, you know they yep. they are a solid business, but I'd prefer to be trading the range. So I'd be a sell on this one, and, okay. and you'd have a you'd have a look at it again, maybe around the fifteen dollar mark or mm. closer to dividend and, and next dividend season. But um, okay. yeah, I think the analyst consensus is actually below the price at um, at sort of seventeen fifty, um, and there's quite a few analysts cover it. So, right. Okay. Yeah. Michael. Um, I'm a little bit more positive. I'd, I'd be happy to hold. I wouldn't be buying it here. Um, no. I think the trend still looks looks good, but I'd prefer to see it yeah, come back to those cheaper levels before buying. And the potential catalyst for that would be, of course, they have an announcement relating to costs going up and inflationary pressures and margins getting squeezed. And I think if you wait for something like that, which is probably inevitable with all businesses out yep. there, and it takes a little bit of a dip back down to those $15, $16 you know, levels, then that would be a better buying opportunity than up here. Right, okay. But if you're in it, hold it. Yeah, look, I'd be, yeah it. I'd be happy to run run with it okay. while it's doing this, yeah. Uh, Nick wants a view, um, uh, Michael, on Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, the uh, the regional bank or second-tier mm. bank, you'd call it. Yeah, I, I mean, my view with banks is it's, it's always the same. It's a bit boring. I just would prefer to buy CBA as a bank because it's the best one and delivers the better results over time. I mean, most, you know, all these banks peaked in 2015 and I think CBA is still the only one that's trading at a higher price. All of the ban- all of the other banks have, have suffered. Mm. Um, you know, the big four banks generally just do a better job than the regionals, of course, because just they've just got so much power. Um, I think the opportunity with the regionals is sometimes they can get quite cheap. Um, and I can understand that argument to to pick up a Bendigo when it's a you know quite a lot cheaper than say a CBA because CBA is always expensive, but I think that argument only holds if you're willing to actually do something with that short term. So if you right. could see a bit of an uplift in the share price, you know get out of that and um, and move on. But I think what a lot of people do is they they look at that argument that it's cheap and they buy it, but then when that that valuation gap starts to narrow. They won't get rid of it because it pays a good dividend, right. and oh, I'll just yeah. I'll just keep it. They and then ultimately, it. yeah, mm. and then ultimately, it it just lags all the other banks, and you'd wish you were right. you were in a CBA at the end right. of the day. So, the short answer is no. I wouldn't. Um, okay. I wouldn't bother. But CBA is worth the premium. It's worth the premium. I th- look, I think up here it's toppy. It's right. right at the top of its trading range. It trades on a. Um, I think its premium is probably a bit too much given. You know the headwinds with the housing market and so on. So I right. think I think CBA's share price is at risk of dipping back, right. but I'd be waiting for that uh, as a buying opportunity. Right. Um, whereas a few of the other banks have already dropped back, have they? Like Macquarie, uh, which mm. is not a big four and a different sort of beast, it's dropped back quite a bit from yeah Macquarie two hundred plus. Yeah, Macquarie looks good down at um, it's sort of at the bottom of its recent range. I think it's yep. around one seventy ish. I'd have to have a look. Yeah, yeah, why not? Um, yeah, and why the not? other major banks, I mean, Nab's Nab's been improving. Um, it's probably uh, sort of getting up there now. I mean, Westpac looks like it should improve. Might even outperform some of the other banks in the next few months. But again, I, I just think Westpac, as a, in terms of quality, is is nowhere near. Right, um, CBA. So okay. again, you'd have to treat those as a trade and not get stuck in there mm. because it's got a dividend coming up in a month, and before you know it, you're, yep. you're in an underperforming bank when you could have been with with CBA the whole time. Okay, uh, Mark, I so, a thousand percent agree with Michael. Really, like I, I if I can avoid it, um, I, I, I try to steer clients away from even the big, f- the or apart from CBA, uh, away from the big four. 
certainly Bendigo being a regional bank, it's even further down the list really. Their um, their credit scores one of the worst of the bigger um, yeah. the bigger banks. So basically even though interest rates rising is good for margins um, for these businesses. Uh, their margins will in, will increase at the slowest rate out of the, um, you know, right. the biggest the biggest banks in Australia. So interest rates, you, you're better off being in you know the big four rather than this. Um, and then, like I said, of the but big then four. Even so, you know. But even so, but yeah, I literally had a discussion. I've uh, got a client with a significant holding in this, sat it for a while, and I had the exact conversation that Michael just suggested. Then was we, I think we should basically be selling this and um, yeah. and waiting to buy CBA down around to, uh, towards a hundred dollars, and then maybe allocating a smaller portion of that. Of the sale to to basically um, you know into some of those really oversold um, finance companies that are um, that have been sort of pretty badly hit that are actually oh. going cash flow positive but 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 are much more speculative um, particularly in this uncertain. Look, this um, I mean, quite like the look of money. Me, the market's having oh, yeah. a little bit of yeah. issues um, pricing that up a little bit um, at the moment because they've they've got growth in a lot of areas. Um, Australian Finance Group look, looked uh, yeah. pretty decent as well, and um, and and had a you know a, a really nice PE and nice dividend yield. So it um, there's a, there's a few of those smaller mm. ones out there, but but you know say selling the selling Bendigo and then maybe putting. 20% into those more yeah. growthy uh, or smaller cap names and then probably the, the lion's share of it into either, you know, some yeah. Macquarie or um Interesting, or you, talk, you talk about money me, I've got a, a mate in the car industry and he was saying they have this car financing sort of yeah. app now that he said is surprising the number of uh, the increasing his customers uh, that are financing. Well, yeah, we recently went money. to a presentation from the CEO at um, at Open Markets uh, evening, and um, look, he was a great salesman, great salesman as well. So I'm not sure whether I was swept up in the charisma of the CEO <laughs> or not. But but look, it's uh, it's certainly you're only human. You, you see, exactly. So you uh, certainly walked out of that going, you know, until I looked at the chart and just went, oh, maybe we might just wait for right. a little bit. But uh, but the way that I were talking about the business okay. is. Um, you know, but it's obviously a little bit hard to price, given that it's it's new, it's novel yes. uh, way of doing business. So, it uh, you know you just don't yeah, you don't want to be wrong in this sort of market. No, exactly right. All right, let's recap the uh, the final five stocks: uh, Templum, Webster, uh, and Nibble from Mark. A note from Michael Erode. A note from both uh, the core composite bond um, ETF. Uh, avoided all costs from both uh, Mcor a sell from Mark a hold from uh, Michael and Bendigo Bank a no from both Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities great to see you again thank you and Mark Gardner from uh, Macro always great to have you aboard really fascinating well. hour thank you for joining us and uh, hopefully you enjoyed it at home as well if you've got any stocks you'd like me to put to our expert panel here on the call every day at midday eastern uh, put them in an email the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at osbiz tv handle uh, you can see all the stocks in the calls fantasy portfolio at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio see you same time tomorrow midday for another edition of the call more of osbiz straight ahead <laughs>